Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, with me to Luke chapter 19. That'll be our text today. We'll be in Luke chapter 19. It's a long chapter, so we're going to pick up in verse 28 uh, through the end of the chapter. That's where we'll be looking this morning. But it is Palm Sunday, and, and so today, this day, one week before Resurrection Sunday, is what is known as Palm Sunday. And obviously, you, already, you, you, you may already know why that is called that, and it is called that because of the palm branches that were used in Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. As he came in, they were throwing the palm branches down. There were those who throw their coats down, their clothes down in front of the Lord. It was a way of honoring him as he, as he entered into the city there in Jerusalem. And this event is recorded in all about by all of the gospel writers and we're going to look at the setting and the scenery of this story so Jesus and the disciples had come from Bethany uh, to Jerusalem which was about two miles from the south and as they're making the triumphal entry as it took place it took place about five days before the Passover and that was the most important of all the Jewish religious festivals and so it, it, this is going on about five days before that is to begin. And there were probably at this time, there were about 300,000 pilgrims, not counting all the people who lived right there in Jerusalem, but there's a, about an additional, at least another 300,000 pilgrims in Jerusalem for the Passover. So you can understand that with that going on, excitement filled the air. When you've got that kind of, it's, it's the Passover, it's the biggest thing that they would have recognized every year, the biggest festival. All these people are there. They're there to worship and, and to, 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 to take part in this festival of the Passover. And so there is excitement in the air. There's, a, there's just a, a religion. You can feel this religious energy in the air. And so this morning as we're looking at this, I'm not going to focus on the festival uh, multitude, but we want to focus this morning on the submissive minority that we're, that's that's the, the idea that we're going to look at this morning. So the title of the message this morning is this, Palm Sunday Submission. So we're looking at the title of the, the topic this morning of submission. Now submission, it's not a popular word today in most any segment of our, of our population. Amen? See, y'all already don't like it. I had one amen there. I mean, nobody likes this word today. It's become, and more and more and more as pride and self gets exalted in our society, we don't like submission. We don't like it to, uh, to the officers on the street. We don't like it to any of the government. We don't like it to any of authority in our life. We don't like it to our spouse. We don't like it with, a, you know, kids don't like it with their parents. We don't like it with our boss. I mean, we just don't like this idea of submission. So it's not a popular word today. However, submission is a, 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 as a word or as a concept or as a characteristic, it, it's, it's one that God highly esteems. And we're going to look at that this morning. So the word submission means this. It means the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. So it is submitting to someone else. That's what submission uh, is. It is, it, it is this yielding to a superior force or superior being or an authority in our life. And so when we look at that, Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another. Now this passage begins as we look at marriage and marriage relationships. And the first 
the first line there is submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. There is in a marriage, if, if there is not a mutual submission, now understand that we understand the biblical roles there. The man is the head of the wife. We understand that. But there is a mutual submission. It is not that I lord over my wife and everything I say must. I'm not a dictator. Uh, even though I do have Gina call me Lord at home and, and master. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just master, not Lord, but no, I don't. So, um, so submitting to one another. Uh, so, so this principle, though, applies to us in our, in our relationships all around that we should submit, submit to one another. Verse 22 says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. There's a command to submit. I'm telling you, folks, in our culture today, that right there, you, that right there will get me kicked off YouTube. It is a cancel culture theme right there. I wouldn't, no woman has to submit to any man. Well, uh, Scripture says different, okay, and that's our authority. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now listen, if children are to obey their parents, they must uh, re- submit. There is a, it requires submission in order to obey. Ephesians 6.5 says bond servants, and this this is idea of a slave, but more more in this context. There's almost more of here of, a, of an employee type of situation. So, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ. So, folks in the workplace, it requires submission. It requires them to be submissive. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls uh, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. There's to be submission. James 4, 7, and this, this is the ultimate we all should adhere to. Submit to God. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God. We should submit to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But we are to submit to God. That is the command we're given. So submission, when we look through it, it's all through scripture. And, and, and really the opposite of submission is being in disobedience. It's being rebellious. And it's something God never, never honors. 1 Peter 2, 7, therefore to you who believe. Now listen at this. And we, we've read this verse recently in some of the messages I was preaching. But therefore to you who believe, he is precious, speaking of the Lord, but to those who are disobedient. And, and you see the contrast there, those who believe and those who are disobedient. And the, and the implication is when we believe, when we come to faith in Christ, there is, we put aside that disobedience. We become those who will obey. We're submissive then to the will of God, the word of God, and, and what he would desire in our life. So therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient. Look, when we, when we met uh, Christ, when we, come into a, uh, when, we, when we come into a real relationship with him, things change. Amen? If you've come into a relationship with Christ and things have not changed, I will strongly contend you have not come into a relationship with Christ. If there is no difference in your life pre-Jesus to after Jesus, I'll strongly contend you have not met Jesus. You cannot meet the living God and it not change your life. So when you met Christ, when you came into that relationship with him, things change. We change. Our attitudes change. The way we think of things change. 
The way we see things changes. Our desires change and our wants change. You know, it's, uh, I had a preacher, a pastor, you say this. He said, you know, when, when we come into that relationship with God, he changes our want to's. You know, I used to want to do this, but now I want to do this. I want to do what he wants me to do. So I used to want to go out and do that. Now I want to do this. So how want to's change when we come into that relationship with Christ. And a great symptom of real life change is a new submission to the things of God. So, so what we're going to look at this morning, this topic of change. The first thing we're going to, there's three illustrations of submission that we're going to look at here in this idea of submission. Did I say change? We're not looking at change. We're looking at submission, which is a result of the change. So number one here is we consider these three illustrations in this, in this text. Number one, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Luke 19, but look at verse 28. When he had said this... He went on ahead, uh, went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. So this is what Jesus is doing. Now, if you go back and you read through the Gospels, you'll see many a times where he turns his face toward Jerusalem. He turns his heart towards Jerusalem. He knows, he is determined to go up to Jerusalem and, 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 and he knows what's coming. But notice that last phrase there, going up to Jerusalem. Now, in this phrase, there's a lot captured within this little phrase of going up to Jerusalem. Now, I've shared this before uh, Regardless of where he was coming from, he was going up to Jerusalem. Always in Scripture, Jerusalem is at a, is a higher point. It's always, if you were in the south, in the, in the here we would say, you know, I'm, I'm in the south of Georgia. If I'm going home, I'm saying I'm going up to Georgia. I'm going up there because I'm going north. That's what we would, we would infer of that. But, but this context is Jerusalem was a higher point. Mountainous it was, but it was just a higher point for them spiritually. So when they went to Jerusalem, they were always going up to Jerusalem. But here he comes and there's a lot in this phrase. And the first is this, there was the fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah 9, uh, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was prophesied way back. That was prophesied centuries earlier. It was prophesied that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem and would ride on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And, and, and so that was prophesied by Zechariah. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy exactly as it was written. He rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. It was exactly as it was prophesied. But it was more than just the exact fulfillment of a prophecy. See, Daniel in his 70 weeks prophecy prophesied the exact day. And I was a study in this week and I read, came across this and read that. And I had not read that before. And I, and I came across that and I got to studying it and looking at it. I would encourage you, I'm not going to go into the detail of it, but there are several things that have been studied out and a couple of people have studied out different things and they've come to the same conclusion that the Lord came in on Monday, March 30th, A.D. 33. They've nailed the day and they've, and they've worked those calendars back. And, and so it was not only prophesied that he would ride in, but even the day that Daniel had prophesied that years and years and years before, and it was fulfilled. In this little phrase, going up to Jerusalem, there was, there was this fulfillment of prophecy. Was Also, there was danger in that statement. The last time that Jesus had been in Jerusalem, uh, there had been an attempt on his life. And, and Jesus had asserted his deity. He had told them that in no uncertain terms that he was God. And in John chapter 10, verse 31, it says, Then the Jews took up stones again, uh, again to stone him. They, they, they were going to kill him. 
And then we read later in verse 39, we read there that, that there was another attempt, but that he escaped and he went to be with John beyond the Jordan River. So we see there were attempts on Jesus's life. And so from that time on, Jesus was in constant danger. If he were to come into Jerusalem, he would be in danger. And the danger increased even more after Lazarus was raised from the dead. And we read there, there was, there was, there was more desire. They wanted to kill even Lazarus. They didn't want the, the testimony of what Jesus had done to get word to get out, and they wanted to hush that. They wanted to kill Jesus. So Jesus was safer in the countryside, away from Jerusalem, the center of the power of his enemies. But once he stepped foot in Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders, they were going to do everything they were good. They would immediately plot to kill Jesus. And yet here we read that he was going up to Jerusalem, knowing full well the danger that it placed him in. So we have a fulfillment of prophecy in that statement. We also have danger in that statement. But in this phrase, going up to Jerusalem, there was also submission to the Father's will. Going up to Jerusalem would ultimately lead to going up to the cross. Amen? I mean, that's what it meant. That was the purpose. That was the whole reason for his not just going up to Jerusalem. That was his whole reason for coming to earth as a man was to go to the cross and die for our sin. So ahead of him, ahead when you going up to Jerusalem, ahead would be the, uh, uh, would be the terrible mental and physical and emotional turmoil in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you think that was not a major deal, that was a huge deal as he battled physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally there in the garden in, in wrestling with the Father's will there. Ahead would be the traitor's betrayal by Judas who betrayed him, listen, by a kiss. What, what worse way to be betrayed by someone you love than to be betrayed by a kiss for money? And that's how he was betrayed. Ahead, his disciples would turn and run away. And Peter would deny him not once and not twice, but three times. Peter, Peter, one of his closest, he'd deny him three times. Ahead lay a, a mock trial in a kangaroo court with a rigged jury. Ahead was the rejection by the multitude, the same multitude as Pastor Aaron was mentioning just, just a few minutes ago, that on that Palm Sunday they cried out with those palm branches. They laid them before him as he entered into the city, and they cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Just hours later, that same crowd would be shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. How quickly they turned. And ahead lay shame and abuse and mistreatment, mocking by soldiers, the tearing out of his beard, beatings by Roman soldiers with the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns ripping into the, into the Lord's scalp. Ahead lay the cross, lying on the cross, being nailed to the cross, the agony, the suffering, the pain, the drink of vinegar, the crowd mocking, and ultimately the spear in his side. But worst of all of this, ahead was when Jesus would bear our sin on the cross. You know, the scriptures tell us that he became our sin for us. He be, not just did he bear our sin. It, wasn't like, it, was, it was laid on him, but it wasn't that it was just laid on him. Scriptures tell us he became our sin for us on the cross. And God the Father would turn away from, from his son and pour out his righteous wrath for, for our sins. And he would pour out his wrath for our sins upon him, upon Jesus, upon Christ, upon our Savior. And Jesus would utter, utter that horrible cry, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? When Jesus ascended to Jerusalem, he knew all that was before him. He knew everything that was to come. And through all of this, Jesus was submissive to the will of the Father. In his human side, he dreaded what was to come. In the garden, he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. He was submissive to the will of the Father. Perhaps no scripture shows us the submissive heart of Christ uh, like Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen, that's the mind. What he's saying, what he's saying here, we should have this same mentality, this same mindset, this same, this same uh, attitude. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's what Jesus did for us. He was submissive. He was submissive in following the Father's will to come to... Imagine you're God and you come be one of us. To put off all that he had ever known to take on this. And he did that. And he lived the sinless life. And he was, went to the altar as the only perfect sacrifice. The only one who could die for our sin. And he did die for our sin. He took our place. He took my place. He took your place. And he died in your place on that cross so that you might have eternal life by turning to Christ. He did all that for us. He was submissive. Christ submitted to the will of the Father. The second thing we see here in the way of submission is that the disciples submitted to the will of the Savior. The disciples submitted to the will of the Savior. Look at verse 29. We'll read, we'll read uh, the first three verses there. The, the, the Lord's going to give them some strange instructions right here. And sometimes, you know, sometimes here's what we do. We go, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, that's weird. I don't understand that. Why would we do that? And what do we do? Then we're, we're, we're too busy questioning what we've been told to do to be obedient to go and do what we've been told to do. And, and we shouldn't do that. When we read it in Scripture and we understand in Scripture, when you go and follow what Scripture says, when the Lord says it, when thus saith the Lord says it, Amen. Then we should just go do it. And what we see here is these disciples, the Lord gives them kind of a strange command. He gives them some strange instruction, and he, they follow him. They do what he says. Verse 29, And it came to pass, when he came near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain uh, called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples. So he selected two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Uh, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Now the disciples willingly submitted to the command of the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this passage parallels our responsibility to submit to Christ's great commission commands. And so as I'm, as I'm reading through this, and we look at this, it's amazing the parallels to the great commission the Lord, the Lord gave us in Matthew 28. In, in verse um, 
19, he says, go therefore. What do he say here? He says, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. The Great Commission says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus says to the disciples, go into the village opposite you. And in the, in the Great Commission, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see it right over here. Preach the gospel to everyone. Um, so he's telling them, go over. You're going to this, this village right here close. He expands that because he's going to tell us to go to the village that's close. He's going to go to your next door neighbor. He says, go to those here. Go to those over there in the next village. Go to those in the, in the next county, the next state, the next country to the uttermost part of the world. He gives us a command to go. And he tells us in Acts, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when the Lord gave this command to his disciples, he's giving them instruction of what he wants them to do. And he says, Go into the village opposite you. Go and find this colt and loose it and bring it back to me. Do you think he expected the disciples there that he's giving this command to to go? You think he expected them to obey that command? Yes is the answer. Let me ask you this then. Do you expect, do you think he expects us to follow his command when he says go and make disciples? I don't know. I haven't found in scripture anywhere where the Lord made a command or he made a statement that he was, I was just kidding. You thought I was serious about that? I wasn't serious about it. No, the Lord, if he says it, he means it. And he was very serious with the disciples here in their instruction. He's very serious with, the, with what he's given us as his disciples to go. Folks, that go, I've heard it translated, read it translated this way. It's as you are going. So it's this idea that you're not going to sit here anyway. You're going to be going. So it's as you are going. Look, folks, go. So as you are going today, whether you're going to a restaurant or you're going back to your neighborhood or you're going to go to your workplace on Monday, wherever it is you're going, as you are going, go and make disciples. Everywhere you go, tell people about Jesus. Tell them about him. That's the command he gives to go. Jesus told them, Whereas you enter, you will find a colt. Now, Jesus knew exactly what the disciples would find. He already knew what was there. He knows all about what was ahead of them. He knows all about what's ahead of us, folks. He knows the people that we will run into who need to hear about Jesus Christ. And he has prepared them for our witness and testimony. I, 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 I hear you know, the comment of, Sometimes you go, boy, you know, circumstantial, ev you know, it's just circumstantial or, or, or what's, what's the phrase we might use? Um, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. Thank you. What a coincidence. Well, it's just a coincidence. The, no, there's not a coincidence. How about God is ordaining that and he's brought you in line with someone and here's your opportunity to share the gospel. And here's what's great. Sometimes we get to sow the seed. Sometimes we come behind and we water the seed. Sometimes we come behind. We didn't have anything to do with any of it, but we get to reap. We get to bring somebody to Christ. We get to see them come into faith in Christ. God knows. He knew exactly what they were going to find. He knows what we're going to find. Jesus said to the disciples then, he said that they would find a colt 
tied. Um, you can see the, represent, the representation here of all of humanity in the bondage of sin. See, we're to go to those who are tied, to those who are bound, to those who are in slavery to sin. The Lord knew there's going to be this cult there that's tied. And he's sending us out, folks, to share the gospel with a world full of people who are in bondage to sin and to slavery. That's who he's sending us to. Go to this cult tied. You're going to find them. Go to this cult that's tied. Go to these people who are in bondage and who are in slavery to sin. Then Jesus said this cult would be one on which uh, no one has ever sat. It was a cult on which no one had ever sat. So here, here is humanity with its unbroken will. See, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Stubborn. Stubborn, self-willed, got our own, we got our own thing, unbroken. That's us, unbroken. Just like that colt, never been broken. Then Jesus told his disciples that when they found this colt, they were to loose it. They were to loose it. Now, when we lead sinners to, to Jesus, it is he who emancipates them. It's he who frees them. He frees them from the prison of sin and judgment. He liberates them from the chains of Satan. And praise God, he allows us to be used in his great work of salvation. Amen? Now, the, Lord, the Lord doesn't need us. But the, the, the Lord has, his plan has allowed and involves us. He, he, he wants us involved in his work. Now, I can push off and resist. And I, I can be resistant to do what God, God's will will be done. He'll, he'll get the, the work done. But he's given us the opportunity to be a part of that. Why in the world would we miss the blessing of being used of God? You know, Chris Sheets, there he is. The, the, he's, I call, I'm now calling him the beard of knowledge. And if, if you want to know something about NASA or space and that stuff, talk to Chris. He, he has a great deep love for that. And, man, he is a wealth of knowledge in that. I had a great time hanging out with him. Got to go over and see the rocket when they were rolling it out and stuff. And, um, and Chris said, he said, man, it, if I could get the job just sweeping the floors here, I'd do it. Now, Holly might have something to say about that. <laughs> but I know the sentiment. What an incredible thing. And others go, boy, I'd... Boy, if I could do that job, that's what I would want to do. Boy, if I could work for that person, man, that would just be the ultimate. That would be the greatest. Boy, if I could be a part of that. Folks, we, as the children of God, He has given us a job. We get to serve the King of Kings. Some would go, boy, I would have loved to have cleaned Elvis' house. Uh, you know. 
They, they would have loved that. I want to vacuum up the, I want to get up the peanut butter and, and jelly from his fried peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever. I'd love to clean up after Elvis or whatever because I want to work for the king. No, who wants to work for the king? I want to work for the king. And that's what we have an opportunity to do. He has called us to serve him, to, to do, and he's given us a job to do. Man, what a blessing that is. That we get to work in his, in his work. Then Jesus told his disciples to bring it here. So loose it, bring it here. So we don't bring, uh, we don't bring these folks, we don't bring them to the church house. Now, please, invite people to come to church. But you know, the greatest impact you'll have in their life is you. If you're their friend, the greatest witness is you. Greatest influence can be had in their life is you. Now, I want you to bring your friends. Bring them to church. We want them to come. We want them to hear the word of God. But we're not going to bring them. The idea is not to bring them to the church house. The idea is to bring them to Jesus. Amen? And, and we don't bring them to God's law. We're not bringing them to the law to follow rules and ordinances and precepts and statutes to earn God's favor. We bring them to Jesus where his grace is freely bestowed without charge. Then when they come into a relationship with the Lord, they'll follow him and learn to follow in his precepts. But they don't do it to get saved. They do it as a result of being saved. And we don't bring them to religion. Boy, the last thing I want to do is bring somebody into religion. Blah. You know, that's the problem we got in America today. Raymond, you probably know history better than, than, than most. I was reading last night about the, the situation in America right before the Great Awakening. Honestly, ignorant on my part, I had not studied any of that. I was shocked in two pages I read talking about this. I was reading about America today. The situation they were in was the same as today. Pastors all over had stopped preaching the word. They were telling stories. They were entertaining. They had brought in heresies. They had just stuff that, I mean, they were not preaching the word of God. They were falling into sin left and right. People had just gone away. The people were living like today. It was each, by, each person was doing what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it, whoever they wanted to do it with. I mean, it, it, was, it was just sin was rampant. It was where we're at today. It was where we're at today. And I thought, how many, how many people, you know, how many people would, would love to fall into religion? See, that, that religion is dead. It was dead then, there was dead religion. You know, we got dead religion today. We got dead religion in this church. We got some in this church who think they're okay. You're deceived. You've deceived yourself. I'm all good. You've never been born again. Dead religion ain't going to get you to heaven. There must be life. So we don't bring people to religion. Look, here's what you do now. You get a haircut, buy you a suit, and you come to church Sunday morning, come for small groups, got to be here at 9, eat a donut, drink a little coffee. Raymond's going to preach a great message in there or go to John's class or, or Miss Bennett's class or whatever. You know, go to class, then you'll come over here and you'll sit and we'll sing a few songs, just glory, hallelujah, and, you'll, and, and, and you know when it's done, you just go out and you know what? You just live the rest of life like you want to. Then come in on Wednesday night, we'll have a good meal, we'll fellowship, you'll meet somebody you like, y'all fellowship around the table, and you'll come in and sit down, yawn through 45 minutes of teaching, and then, and then you know what, go on and live your life. Religion. I'm going to check the box. I was there Sunday morning. I was there twice on Sunday morning. I don't think I'm going to go Wednesday night, because I got two in on Sunday morning. Religion. 
I'm going to give a little money. I'm going to give a little money. I'll make my little offering to that. Now, you know what? The Lord will look on that. The Lord's weighing this because everything I do checking the boxes, you know, it's, it's weighing on the scales. I'm, I'm, I'm getting good. It's getting better. You know, it's, uh, it's balancing out. Folks, religion ain't going to get you there. I don't care how much religion you do. I don't care how sincere you are in your religion. It ain't going to get you there. It is simply through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we bring people in. Bring, bring it here. Bring them here. Bring them to Jesus. Jesus went on and said, if anyone asks you now, yeah, there are, going to be, there are always going to be people uh, you know, in, the, in, 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 the, in the public opinion. There's always this public opinion. and It'll never be sympathetic to the cause of Christ. More and more today, things are becoming not just uh, unsympathetic to the cause of Christ, becoming very anim- anim- there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of um, um, ill will toward the cause of Christ. You can be anything you want to be today except a Christian. Because then you're a fanatic, you're crazy, you know, you're, you're, you're a bigot, you're whatever. If, if you're going to name the name of Christ. So, folks, you've got to be ready. And, and, and you're sharing the gospel with others will we'll fall on many deaf ears. You'll tell them and, and they're not going to listen. Some might mock you and make fun of you. Some may oppose and contend and hinder what you're doing. And some will even persecute and oppose and maybe even kill you. There are places all over the world that to be a Christian today, it, it, it's, it's a, every day your life is, is, is in danger because of your beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ. So finally, Jesus introduced his disciples, I'm sorry, instructed his disciples that if any man asked what they were doing to say, the Lord has need of it. Think of that. The Lord has need of it. Not the Lord is going to punish it, which would would surely be just and fair for every sinner on the face of the earth. If the Lord just judged us and punished us, that's exactly what we deserve. But he didn't say that. He said, the Lord has need of it. You tell them that I have need of it. Finally, there's a purpose in life. See, we have a purpose, folks. God has a purpose for you. Our, our lives have real purpose, listen, in Him. Our lives have purpose in Him. God's purpose for your life is to live for Him, to serve Him, to glorify Him with all your life. It is to know Him and to make Him known. That should be what we're all about. It is, it is about knowing Him, having that relationship with Him, and then making Him known. That is what it's all about. So church, when I, when I saw these parallels, I was reminded that God tells us to go and to preach and tell, yell, herald, exclaim, proclaim, share, speak, write, text, email, even whisper the good news. That Jesus Christ can free people from their sin, restore their relationship with God, give them everlasting life and a home in heaven, and peace and joy and fulfillment in this life. Now, many are out there waiting to be freed. And the question is simply, are we submissive to Christ's command to go and tell? Will we be submissive to that? Jesus told these disciples exactly what to do about this little donkey, and they were submissive to every detail. May God help us as believers to be submissive and thus obedient and go as Christ has commanded us. Now, the third thing, and we'll we'll wrap this up here here in a moment. Number three is there's a donkey, a donkey submitted to his creator. 
Luke uh, 19, verse 35. Then they brought him to Jesus. They brought the donkey to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was uh, now drawing near the, the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works they had seen. Now, you got to get the picture. There's a multitude of people. They're having to part the crowd as he's coming in on the donkey, making his way into Jerusalem. It's loud. There's people with, I mean, you got these palm branches that are being thrown everywhere as the donkey is coming. In front of that, people are coming and throwing their clothes. This is a donkey, okay? All this activity that's going on. Verse 29 and, and, and uh, this loud voices for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now the disciples brought this colt to Jesus. They cast their garments on it, and Jesus sat on it. Now remember, this is a colt that no man had sat on before. It, was, it had never been broken. It never been broken. This is a donkey, a young donkey. It's about a year old. It's a young donkey. No one, no one's ever broken. It's never been ridden. It's never been. And yet here Jesus is sitting on it, and it carries Jesus into the city amidst all this noise and the activity without any trouble. Now you got to understand. This is an amazing thing to see this. Now I'm not a, I'm not a, a, an expert with, with horses and donkeys and all these. The, what is it? The equine. I'm not an expert in that area. But I do understand this. The donkey is the most stubborn of all of those animals. I believe I'm accurate in that. And the donkey has a reputation for being the most ill-tempered, stubborn, hard-headed, contrary animal on the farm. Amen? It's interesting the Lord didn't pick the donkey as a representation of us. He picked the sheep, but I think it's because the sheep are dumb as dirt. So that, makes, that part makes sense. Amen? And yet there, there, you know, right here we have this stubborn will of a donkey totally submitted to Jesus. A donkey. All of nature was submissive to Jesus. Storms, the winds, the sea, he spoke and it calmed. A fish. There's a fish got a swimming around with a coin in its mouth. Fish is going, what in the world? Why am I holding this in my mouth? Why am, I, why am I swimming over here to this spot? And then all of a sudden he's caught. Oh, oh okay. Hopefully they threw the fish back. I don't know what happened there. But the fish, the rocks, they were all subject to his will. It's only man. And when I say man, I'm talking about men and women that shake their stubborn fist in the face of God in rebellion. Amen. You know, you can live in sin if you choose and reject God's free gift of salvation uh, offered through His Son, Jesus. But know this, a day of reckoning is coming. The writer of Hebrews said, and, and, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, that God is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. But if you go back and read verses 1 through 3, he says that those without Christ are, are the children of wrath and they're dead in their trespasses and sins. That's, that's where we were. Even a donkey submits to his Creator. So today, why don't you listen to Him and submit? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, 
Today is the day. Submit to Him. Come to Him. Turn from your sin. Repent. Change your mind. You can't do it. You can't earn your way there. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. Repent of that. Turn to Him and receive the gift that Christ is offering you. What does He want you to do today? Jesus said in John, uh, John chapter 6, verse 40, And this is the will of Him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last day. God's will is that you believe on His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. Maybe today you've never trusted Christ for salvation. Today is the day. Submit to Him. You know, if you're here today and you're lost and you're bound by sin, you're facing God's judgment, turn to Jesus. He'll cleanse you from all your sin. He'll give you everlasting life if you'll simply repent and trust Him. Sadly, there's, there are those uh, without Christ that uh, those without Christ aren't the only ones who are not submissive to the Lord. See, we Christians sometimes sometimes refuse to be submissive to our Creator as well. God works in our lives and He wants to change us and give us power over sin in our lives. But sometimes we stubborn, you know, we we just stubbornly we act like that, that some old mule. We're just stubborn to what he's doing in our life. Sometimes God decides the best thing for us are trials to mold us and make us more like his son. And often we stubbornly resist the trials. Sometimes we ask him to do something for us and, and, and in his infinite wisdom he answers us with a no or a not now. And we don't want to submit to his will. Church, God wants to take full control of your life to be your master and he wants you to submit to him in all things. All things. Delayed obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. The Lord desires us to submit to Him in all things. Oh, that we just learn to be like that dumb mule, that stubborn dumb mule, and just submit to God. You know, we'd be a whole lot happier. And, and, and you know what? It'd, it'd save us a lot of heartache. Pastor Aaron, if you and the team will come forward. We're going to be done here in just a moment. We'll have a time of invitation here in just a moment. So there you have it. We, we've got three examples of submission here on Palm Sunday. Jesus was submitted, and thus he was obedient all the way to the cross, all the way to the death on the cross. He was submitted. He was submissive. The disciples were submitted. They were submissive, and thus they obeyed Jesus' instructions even, even an odd one about securing a colt for him. I mean, it was a simple instruction. It, was, it seemed strange that you want us to go find a colt. And it's, one, it's going to be this old and it's going to be tight. Are you kidding me? And yet they just obediently did what God said. And then there's the stubborn donkey who submitted to the king of kings. How about you? Have you submitted to God's command to believe on Jesus and be saved? Believe on Jesus today. If you'll do that, there's a promise in John chapter 3, verse 15. It says that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a simple promise. The gospel is simple. There's nothing, nothing easy about the gospel. But the gospel is simple. Everything that needed to be done has been done. The Lord calls to you and invites you into a relationship with him. Christian, is there some way that You've not submitted to God in your life. Perhaps there's some sin you've ex you're excusing that you know God wants you to stop. 
or some habit that God wants you to quit, perhaps some activity you know God wants to, 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 for, for him to have his way in. He wants you to allow him to have his way in that. Maybe it's something that you're doing that you know he wants you to stop doing. Maybe it's something you're not doing that you know he wants you to start. So the question goes back again, have you submitted? Have you submitted to be baptized? To go and tell others about Christ? To live a holy life? To love and forgive those who treat us badly? To tithe to God's work? To help the poor and needy? To have a part in missions? You know, I couldn't even begin to list all the ways that God may be dealing with you and in, in your life today. But whatever he says, obey his voice, su submit to his commands, yield to his will. And it's, the, it, it's only as we obey that we experience the greatest joy in the Christian life. Now, I, I've said this before, many a time I've said this. The most miserable person I know is a Christian outside of God's will. Lost person, they don't have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling them. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God convicting them when they sin, trying to draw them back. Christian, maybe today there's something that you need to submit. You need to give it to the Lord. You need to, you need to come to a place of just full submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I want you to... Uh, I want to extend to you a call to surrender, to be like Jesus. And you go, well, you know, Jesus was God. I, I can't submit like Jesus. All right, I'll give you that. Well, what about his disciples? His disciples totally submitted to the Lord. Well, that's the disciples. That's the disciples. I mean, they were, they were holy people. They were a lot more holy than I am. I, I don't know that I could submit like that. Well, I just encourage you, don't let a jackass be more submitted to the Lord than you. Some are going, I can't believe he said that word. <laughs> Got your attention, didn't it? So stubborn donkey is more submitted, was more submitted than a lot of us are in some areas of our life. We need to all, myself first, make sure that I'm totally submitted to God in every area of my life. This morning, maybe you need to submit. Maybe some area you need to give back to the Lord. So if you would, stand with me. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to step out. Come down here. Let me take the scriptures and just very quickly, very simply introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. But maybe today is the day you have new life. I invite you to come. Christian, what in your life today? What is there that, man, I, I just, it's maybe a really little thing. And in our walk with Christ, there are no little things. It may be a great big thing. But I need to come down here to this altar and talk to God about. So as we, as we go to this time of invitation, don't worry about anybody sitting around you. If there's something you need to come talk to God about, it may have nothing to do with what I preached this morning. You may have something on your heart. You just need to, you just want to get down here to the altar and talk to God. Encourage you. Respond to what God's doing in your heart this morning. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for uh, this time hearing, Lord, about the submission of, of Jesus, your son, who submitted to your will. Because of that, we have a hope for salvation because he died on the cross. He took our place. He's taken the penalty of our sin, and we can have that relationship with you. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray today would be the day they would respond to you. For us as believers, Lord, if it may be a little area, it may be a big area, whatever it is, I pray this morning as the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us, may, may we ask Him right now, Lord, show me. Show me areas in my life where I'm not submitted to you. Maybe today would be a day where we give those things to you. We come to you in submission and obedience. Lord, bless now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it all in Christ's name.